to close in seven minutes, it took me three years to build that relationship. But essentially, it was just to show that, hey, we've done deals. We've always worked out. We've always done well. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby. You are listening to Where Should I Invest? And today's guest is Axel Mont-Saint-Jean from Montreal, Canada. And we have a great conversation about what he's doing out that way, his development projects, his investment projects. And it is a great podcast. And if you are interested in that market, the Quebec market is quite different. So uh, he is a great resource, also has his own real estate group as well out that way. On a side note, let's uh, hear from Dahlia, though, before we get into the podcast on what is new and happening in today's financing world. Dahlia, over to you. Hey, Canada. I'm so excited to share some great news with you today. Streetwise Mortgages has expanded its reach to service investors across multiple provinces. This includes Alberta, British Columbia, New Brunswick, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. Investors in these provinces can now tap into our exclusive financing roadmap methodology. This is the methodology that helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios beyond what they had initially envisioned. It is a custom financing roadmap that will give you crystal clear clarity on financing to grow and scale and optimize your portfolio. There are eight building blocks that we go through for Every investor, including assessing where you are currently, getting clear on your real estate investment goals and what you're looking to achieve, because financing has to enable the achievement of your goals. Then talking about how we're we going to align capital sources and where is the money going to come from? What makes sense to use first in terms of money tool and when? You got several money tools available to you as an investor, including equity, private money, joint venture partnerships, commercial financing, A or bank financing and alternative financing, even RSP financing. So what do you use and when is going to play a huge role into the uh, success of your portfolio and building a strong foundation? Number four is maximizing your borrowing power as you scale up. You want the lenders to continue to say yes, and you want to get access to the best cost of money. And if you don't go strategically about that, you will hit something called the financing wall. So in the customized financing roadmap kit, this is a huge building block that we focus on to ensure that you're going to continue to grow. Number five is how to structure your deals. Who's going to be on title? Do you go and put a deal in a personal name or a corporate name? If you have joint ventures, how are you going to structure these deals to ensure that you continue to grow uh, with them? We also answer any questions that you have and we help you avoid the costly financing and money mistakes investors make, sometimes not even consciously or unintentionally. Uh, we want to make sure that you are aware of what those is as you move forward. 
And finally, we put this plan into action for you. So if your objective is to acquire 10 properties next year, let's map out, map out financing. And once you hit that goal, then we revisit the financing roadmap, update it to help you take it to the next level. So if you're an investor who's looking to scale up your portfolio or you're an investor with an existing portfolio who's looking to optimize it, or if you're looking for guidance in this environment that we're in, feel free to reach out to myself and my team for a complimentary planning session at info at streetwisemortgages.com. Myself and my team are so excited to support you on your investment journey and to guide you through the times ahead. And we are thrilled to be part of your success. Awesome. Dahlia, thank you. That was great. And guys, you know, as the market is shifting, as there are more turbulent times ahead, likely it is important to stay ahead with the cash flow. And so there are things that you can be doing, obviously talking to a mortgage broker like Dahlia, but also looking at your portfolio. Are there potential units that could be converted into midterm rentals for additional cash flow or short-term rentals where the bylaws allow it? And also keep in mind that these conversions, and this is why I like conversions and I love the burst strategy is at this point, and anything can change at any time, but at this point, they're not rent controlled in Ontario. And so with the rents increasing, you know, 20, 25, 30% year over year, I don't see that happening or slowing down rather anytime soon. So do we really want to lock ourselves into 2.5%? My choice is, is definitely the, the route of short-term and mid-term for anything that would be rent controlled for Ontario for now. Everyone's got, everyone's got their different strategies. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. If you have any questions, reach out to me. My Instagram is investor Sarah Larby, and we are also doing a midterm rental course. If you want to know more about that, go to sarahlarby.com and check out the course. It starts in November. It is live on Zoom, so you can get all your questions answered, and there's the whole curriculum. We are doing it through five weeks until December 8th, and I'm adding that bonus class for cottages as well. So if you guys are interested on that, send me a message, and that course is going to be awesome. I'm going to be sharing all of my processes, my paperwork, all that good stuff with you guys. Anyways, enjoy the podcast. Axel, welcome to the show. How are you? Very good. Very good. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. We, we've talked a little bit before the summer and I'm like, let's do these podcasts after Labor Day because for me, I don't do anything indoors unless I really have to for uh, between Victoria Day and Labor Day. So thanks for your patience. I'm excited to interview you. You're one, this is the first day back essentially that I'm doing podcasts. So what's, uh, what's new and exciting? Well, as you said, it's been a really good summer break. I took a good vacation and went to Europe. It'd been three years, saw family and spend some time with loved ones and then back to work. And I actually kind of restarted last week following up on the projects. And there's quite a bit on the, on the going on. I have a big development back in May. I closed on two pieces of land in Saint-Jérôme, about an hour north of Montreal. We're building a four-story building with underground parking, commercial for 6,000 square feet on the ground floor and then 16 residential units. And it's been quite an adventure. To I say bet, the least. I bet. Awesome. So yeah. I, I do want to definitely talk about that and Obviously getting permits and that kind of stuff is never as fast as we're hoping. I'm dealing with it myself in some of the development projects, but for those that may not know who you are, can you just give us like a 30,000 foot view of what it is that you do from a real estate investing standpoint? Sure. So I'm a real estate investor. I'm based in Montreal. I've been investing now for about 
five, four or five years. I kind of, I kind of lose track. I was in the corporate world before in manufacturing and supply chain management. Loved it. Had a blast, but got really bored. I always felt like I could do more. I did a little bit of consulting and then I started on the real estate. And then about four years ago, I just went all in and just been doing some, essentially some burrs and some long-term holds on medium, medium size, small to medium size, like a bunch of five units, four units. And we have different projects right now where we're doing development and redevelopment. All right. Very cool. How long were you doing real estate for before you decided to do it full-time and leave your nine to five? Well, it's kind of like difficult to count because like I had bought bought a rental unit and I was still working. And then a little bit before that, we had fully renovated my wife's condo so we could rent it. And then she moved into my place and stuff like that. So it'd been, it'd been about like five years before going full time, but it was just kind of on and off and like managing like one rental or two rental units isn't really a big, a big job, but it's after a while that I realized that my father's as an architect. And I feel like I've been bathing in that, in that juice for quite a while. <laughs> Very cool. So, so you left, did you leave with a plan just cause I mean, I'm sure someone's listening to this right now thinking, okay, I want to leave my job, but did you have a plan in place? It was a certain net worth or income that you were going for before you said, okay, I'm done. Or was it work is getting in the way of like your bigger projects that you want to do and you want to take a leap of faith? Like which one was it? So it, it was actually a bit of, a, I wouldn't say a leap of faith. It was an agreement with my wife that I would leave my steady income and go do the, go and do this full time while she kept working. And so I took care of as much as I could of the house, of the kids. By that time, we had just one, 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 one child, one a son, and try to do the morning routine and the evening routine. And then in between work, so she could spend as much time as she needed at, at work. And the objective was to do a small, to burr a multi, multi-family. So it was a five unit. We got a really good deal on the purchase, a lot of juice into it. And then we renovated. It took us about a, just over about 16 months to do the full cycle. And then we had a partner in this. So I took myself a good paycheck and then we split the refi and, and it was worth it. And so many times that I say to myself, oh my God, what did I get into this? Especially that I thought it was a good idea to do some of the renovations myself. And then just thought after a while, why did I get myself into this? But then when you get a good refi and a paycheck, all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was worth it. So it's been, and then from there, it's just been like deal after deal after deal. All right. Very cool. So talk to us a little bit about, I mean, obviously deal after the deal after deal. It sounds like you're doing more development stuff. You're doing bigger projects. How did that leap essentially happen from the smaller burrs to the, the bigger stuff? Well, it, it's, it, it's been a transition. It's been actually a lot of education. I took a, I took a course here with the, the Real Estate Investors Club, which is absolutely fantastic. And I would recommend to anyone. It really gave me, it really gave me knowledge and confidence to be able to do it. And other than books and tons of podcasts, I've, I've forced myself hundreds of hours of bigger pockets from, from the U.S. It's been the biggest learning experience. And as I was doing renovation, I used to listen to it to keep me motivated. And what happened is that at first, like closing on a $500,000 property felt like a big deal. And then it, it just got, I was going to say the deals got bigger and then I got more and more confident. And the thing is that now thinking back, like we've done, we've done some really good deals and we, we, I go through a lot of. Um, analysis, but I don't pull the trigger often. It's just that whenever I pull the trigger, I know I'm making I'm making money day one, mm-hmm. and those are the good the good deals that 
it doesn't matter how you exit because it's always good to have multiple exit strategies, whether you just renovate and then resell directly, whether you refinance and then, and then rent it out and still keep it a couple of years, whether you go short-term rental, whatever you do, like you have to have multiple exit strategies. And on all of those deals, I was able to buy low enough that I knew that whatever happened, I was going to make money out of it. So at some point, it's just a question of finding those good deals, structuring them, closing them. And then obviously the execution is crucial in making it happen. But if you buy well, because you make money when you buy, essentially, as, as much as, yeah, we, we think of the resale and the refinance and stuff like that, but you got to buy well. Yeah. I mean, you got to buy well, but then you, I think you also said you've got to have more than one exit strategy. You might have to pivot along the way. And many of us have had to pivot along the way, right? I mean, even if you bought well and you're you're like, this is the strategy for this with everything that's happening in the market, many people are, are saying, okay, well now instead this, this is going to be the strategy. And you mentioned short term, that could be a cash flow boost for the markets that allow it or midterm yeah. rental as an example, to be able to recoup some of that cash flow as the rates are increasing. But what are some of the things that you've done to pivot? I mean, obviously the making money on the buy is important, but- to pivot along the way to make sure that like on the exit, you're still doing. Well. Yeah. So for example, like one of them that we're working on right now, the, the plan was to, we bought it. It was a succession that we bought from actually from Revenue Quebec. We closed on it last, the last fall. It's been taking forever for the permits. It's really been a drag. And originally, and we have a, we have an investor in it. We have a note with him for 18 months at 8% for 300K. And the idea was just to refi and pay him back and get, get our our renovation capital out and then to not have payments that are too high so we could try to get a, a decent cash flow from it now it's extremely well located it's literally like 300 meters away from the metro in a growing neighborhood and in an area that's being completely revitalized and so originally we we're just going to refinance now we're actually also considering just selling it outright selling it fully vacant so yes it's more difficult to to finance for the buyer but we but we might be able to get a good price out of it but we need to rely essentially on a cash buyer in this case and the other one which we weren't really considering for that one is to fully furnish two to three units and go short term rental on two to three units and then go long-term on the other ones. Whereas originally and since the beginning, like our plan was just to rent it long-term, easy peasy and stuff like that. So it may not be such a big pivot mm -hmm. and that's just on one deal, right. but it just, it just shows like you need to be flexible. And for the other ones, like until we're able to start the work, we're not going to be able to go much further on it. We can, I was going to say speculate on, on some of the outcomes. And then for the development, for now, there's nothing to pivot. I just need to get my permit. And then I, I've started to work on the financing, but as we all know right now, that's difficult to get when you're looking for about 6 million for a new construction. There's still a lot of money out there, but the, the lenders have tightened. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. This week's podcast is brought to you by usproperties.ca. Are you looking to invest in turnkey US real estate that provides exceptional cash flow and appreciation? If so, reach out to James at james at usproperties.ca or visit the company website usproperties.ca for more information. And now back to the show. Mm -hmm, for sure. Are you, are you bringing a lot of investors in? Like, how are you structuring these? Are you like doing like shares? Are you bringing them as joint ventures? Like how are you structuring all your deals right now? So we have a, we have a little bit of both. We have some where it's equity, equity into the deal. They, the investor did 
very little work. They just brought in some capital. We have another one where we have a note on it. That's the one that I just I just talked about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then for the for the development one, I have a partner for uh, some of the equity. He's not doing any of the work. I am, and uh, he put in he put in some some cash into it. We meet regularly. And because uh, we're in contact for some other stuff. So always give an update on, on where we're at. And I don't know if you felt it as well, but I was going to say even just about a year ago, everyone wanted to invest in real estate, everyone and their grandmother. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, whenever I talk to people, it's like, ooh, real estate, ooh, I don't know. I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Like, whatever happens, people are still going to have to house themselves. Yeah, that's never going to happen. We're not going to run out of $1,200 a month tenants. Now, no. That's not necessarily the asset class you want to be in, but I'm still a very, very strong believer in real estate. I'm investing for the next 40 years and I know at the end I'll be laughing. I mean, same here. I mean, I think this year since January, I've bought between eight, eight to 10 new deals, but the opportunities to negotiate are much better right now. Again, like you've got to do, you've got to do your due diligence and and be careful along the way. But I think there's some great opportunities out there. And if, if it works with your strategy, you might have to pivot a little bit, but I think, I think it's a great opportunity to build wealth. Is it going to go down some more? Probably, but at some point this is a long game and it's not a short-term thing. I'm not, I'm not in the flipping market. I'm not into buying pre-construction and trying to assign the contract before it closes just not my strategies. I think that's a little bit risky for me at this point in time. Doesn't mean that it can't work, but I I still think there's a great opportunity to be able to make things work even in a market like today. And I think if anything, there is going to be more renters, the rents are going to go up drastically. And I think it's smart that you're going to like potentially sell one of your properties vacant because like for me, that's like almost my first criteria when I'm looking for things to buy is, is, is it vacant? Can I actually do something with it? And like you said, it's, it's harder to finance, but like, I don't know, maybe the seller will come to you and say, Hey, can we do a six or a three month close? And I will find my own tenants. Maybe it's like, you give them the opportunity to start placing the tenants before close so they can still get the financing provided mm-hmm. that they remove their conditions or whatnot ahead of time. Right. There's always ways yeah. to like structure it to make it work. But I yeah. think a, a vacant building is very, very lucrative. And, and very attractive versus somebody who is selling something with a bunch of tenants that have been there forever and cash for keys don't work that well anymore. It's very hard, yeah. especially in you're in Montreal, I'm in Ontario in those two markets to, to get tenants out. It's a lot more difficult. And, and, and as you said, like, I just want to rebounce on it. What you said, like you're absolutely right. I think there's going to be more and more tenants. There's going to be more and more demand mm-hmm. for housing. I mean, we all know it. And when you look at the stat from the CMHC, like we have a shortage of new construction. We're not putting out, we're not producing a new, enough new dwellings compared to immigration, compared to the, the natural cycle. So whoever is planning on building units now, like you, those units are only going to become more and more valuable. And that's why like the development project, I've had people tell me, why don't you just repackage it? And just like, try to resell it and just walk away with a hundred or 200 K. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. And, and mm-hmm. parts of doing this project is the learning experience. And I find that's something that we don't often talk about because there is so much of like, oh, look, I did these great deals. I did these great deals. And people like even show pictures of themselves with a check. But the thing is that they forget to share, excuse my language, but all the crap that they had to go to to reach that point. And the I went, I stuck with it. It was hard. I learned isn't valued enough. It's mm-hmm. not talked about enough. And like, mm-hmm. and for my project right now, when I think back, it was like a terrible moment to do this, but yet I'm so happy to still be in it because I know that when I'll be finished two years from now, I'll look back and say, damn, good mm-hmm. learning experience. 
I did a 16. Now I can go do 160. Yeah, absolutely. They say real estate's 95% mindset. So I want to go back because you mentioned you've got notes. So you've essentially have loans, private money at 8% and, and whatnot. And I get this question a lot, right? Especially as, as new investors that haven't really necessarily built a brand yet. They're working on branding and they're working on marketing themselves. From your standpoint, like what did you do to bring in money partners or bring in joint venture partners? Well, okay. It's fairly simple. I try to share with as many people what I do and what I'm looking for and the track record and how the asset is secured. And in this particular case, and I'll talk about this one mm. because that's the example that, that, that you brought up. This is an investor that I've known for years and I've always shared what I'm doing, where it's at, where are we are in, in the birth cycle and stuff like that. And then I found this deal, I put it under contract and I didn't have the liquidity and I just thought, okay, I basically have about two weeks to find the capital to, to do it. And I started to talk to a private lender, 12, 12% plus two for the file and this and that. And then I hung up the phone with the private lender and I'm like, I don't know, I just called this, this person. At some point one day she said, oh, if you have a deal, let me know. And I literally called her and I said, here's the situation that I'm in. Here's what I need. What do you think? Would there be something of interest? It literally was a seven minute phone call. Now to close in seven minutes, it took me three years to build that relationship. But essentially, it was just to show that, hey, we've done deals. We've always worked out. We've always done well. And and here's how it's secured. And literally, at the end, it was like, okay, well, send me the information for the notary. Let's draft it and let, let's move forward. So it's just about sharing, just about being genuine and sharing what you're going to do. Share the good news and the bad news. As you said, also build a bit of a brand. And that goes through a track record. And then just, just be transparent and honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. And I, I do want to add, because you, you're investing in, in Quebec in that market. So the notary doesn't apply necessarily to the rest of, of Canada, but True. it's essentially the lawyer, right? That's yeah. that's helping you with the transaction that's closing. And it's just a little bit of a different process over there. Everything's mm -hmm. different in, in Quebec. I mean, <laughs> it but is. I'm, I'm actually, my my family's, uh, half my, well, my mom's side is all from there. So I can say that, but it's complicated. <laughs> Yeah. And, and someone had asked me like, yeah, yeah. oh, what are the differences with Ontario? And to be honest, like I've never closed in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Like I have no idea how it works. So I'll just speak for my market. Yeah, no, and, it's it's all good. Yeah. I mean, they, they Quebec does, does things on their own, but they're allowed to. They have the best food in the world. Anyways, we digress. But just to go back on having those conversations, I think early on, I think are important rather than having a deal and like looking desperate because you need the ma the money on that particular deal. Like even for, for, for me, for example, like we started working with joint ventures just recently this year, and it was from calls and meetings prior to even having a deal and just seeing, seeing if it was a good fit to begin with, 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 with people that were interested, but you probably want to share a little bit of like what you have done. Like you said, uh, the returns as an average, you don't want to ever promise anything. This is how you get in trouble. But, and then when a deal comes up, then you might have a pool of five or 10 people that showed interest that you've had conversations with. Maybe it's three years, maybe it's three months, but like that yeah. you've had those, those calls with, or those, those discussions with, and you understand what their goals are. And if that matches, it's a lot easier to get people that way to come into deals versus, oh crap, I have a deal. Now I've yeah. got to go find somebody to come in. And then you're scrambling and that'll come across, I think, a little desperate and people likely will have their guard up for that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing too, is that I find a lot of in beginners at the beginning get stuck on the, 
oh, I quick, as you said, like I have a deal under contract. I have two weeks to find capital. Oh my God. And then, and then you're almost like the beggar. And the mm -hmm. thing is that it's just a mindset thing where you just need to flip it around and say, no, these people have money. They don't know what to do with. You're just offering them an opportunity and you present the terms and say, hey, I'm working on a deal. I have an opportunity. Here are the numbers. Uh, today's Tuesday. I need an answer by Thursday noon. You're one of the first person I approach. There's a number of individuals who had told me they'd be interested. I just need to know whether you're going to take this opportunity or not. Mm -hmm. And and to us, it sounds obvious, but the number of people who are like begging at the end, and that's good. That's not good. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, are you looking for a reliable contractor for your next Burr multifamily conversion or flip project? Somebody who understands how to work with investors and also real estate investing itself. I've personally partnered with Lee Polak from Wise Construction. We're actively doing many projects together in Hamilton and Wallen, so things like smaller three and four unit conversions and also some larger buildings where we're converting some large empty commercial spaces into residential units. And it's always been important to meet a partner and hire a contractor who does not only high quality work, but is on time and on budget. And it's also a huge bonus that they have their own in-house trades, employees and a warehouse full of building materials so that they can avoid the many labor and material shortages that we hear about often these days. A good project done on time, on budget and with high quality work will be key to the success of your Burr multifamily conversion or flip projects. So to connect with Lee from Wise Construction, text or phone him at 416-525-5951. Again, that is 416-525-5951. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. No, because I think it like, I mean, I think you've got to look at it as like you're presenting an opportunity for them to make more money than maybe where they're putting their money at right now. But I also think it's important that like if somebody's listening to this and you're bringing in a partner, that that partner is not bringing in the exact same skill set or what you're bringing into the table, right? Because mm -hmm. if you guys are like each going to be on the mortgage and each put half of the down payment down and each do half of the work, like I don't, so personally, I don't think that's a good partnership because we might as well just do it by yourself at that point in time or and borrow mm -hmm. private money if you need to borrow private money. Mm -hmm. But could they do the financing instead? Could they do the cash instead or vice versa? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and usually, again, not every time, but usually there's like one active partner and one, one passive partner. Mm -hmm. Somebody that was the passive partner usually just does the money and the financing and the active partner does all the rest and the, finding the properties, managing the renos, managing the mm -hmm. tenants, finding the tenants, all that stuff. And usually, again, not every single time, but usually that's that's a 50-50 split for, for that one active and one passive. But yeah. if you are bringing to the table the exact same thing that someone else has, what's the point of working with that partner? You might just want a different partner that has yeah. complementary but different things that they're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. And in, in this case, it's kind of funny because at 8%, I thought it was a steal because right now the market is, is 12. Is it like that in Ontario? 12% a year? On a private percent is good. I mean, private, it range. I mean, it ranges, right? Because you could find yeah. private where, I mean, we have access to like potentially like 5% private through people that are not in this real estate world. And they, they, yeah. they essentially like the 5%, but people that are, I think in the industry understand that like, it's probably between 10 to 15 for yeah. private money, maybe 17%. 
there's different levels of private money, right? And there's institutional private money. And then there's private, private money from like friends and family. I mean, there's lots of different ways that you can do private money, but 8%, I think it's pretty good, especially with the rates yeah. now being like exactly. five and a half, six. And it's, <laughs> and, and, and it's pretty good. And I saw them early, earlier in the, in the summer, just at 8%, like our, our, our stock portfolio has, hasn't been doing so well. Mm-hmm. Um, you're our best investment this year. And I started to laugh because I felt like at 8%, it was a steal. And I know there's going to be a lot of juice in the deal. And right. if we perform better, I'll even give them 10, uh, right. 10% on their money and just try to get them to like flip it and reinvest it into the next deal so I can roll the ball, the ball forward. But mm-hmm. it's just funny how it's a give and take. And I'm supposed to pay eight. Again, if I can pay them 10 and be like, hey, leave your money in, I'll absolutely do it. I want my investors to have a good experience. Yeah, for sure. Or instead of giving them 10, because they might expect 10 for every single thing, you maybe give them a little bit of a bonus at the end as a thank you. Right. So that like, it's like per project and they don't expect it moving forward. That's probably what I would do, but that's a good idea. Actually, that's a good idea. I like it. As soon as you start giving them 10%, it's going to be very hard for you to go back to eight. Yeah. Or I'll do 8% and then a 5k bonus or something. Yeah. Like I would do, I would bonus it out on the actual property, depending on the property, how it does at the end. That's Mm -hmm. how I would do it again. I don't have all the answers. But no, no, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. You're right. So what are you working on moving forward? Like what's your goal for this next year? So I have a, I have a few other deals that I'm starting to look at. And actually like during the summer, I kind of slowed down and I want to, I'm obviously going to keep going. Is this that I want to spend time with the kids. I want to spend time at home and I just kind of want to slow down a little bit. And it's usually like, go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. I've also realized that over the last two, three years, I haven't always taken time to take care of me. And uh, so that's what I want to do between now and Christmas. So we'll see what the future holds. We'll see where 2023 takes us. But until the end of the year, I'm going to finish my deals. I have a few other things in the pipeline that we're working at. There's another deal that we closed on in July that we're trying to repackage and resell. We'll see how that goes and um, take it easy. And I want to keep the the community with real estate effects. Uh, we also have a meetup. We actually have one that coming up pretty soon. Keep working on the uh, the podcast as well. And I always love meeting people. So I need to, I'll, I will go for more lunches this fall. All right. Very cool. Now you, you mentioned podcasts. I think you have a group that you host as well, real estate group. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it was actually, it started about two, just over two years ago. It's called the the Very Real Estate Effect Meetup and the Very Real Estate Effect Podcast. It's for real estate investing in Quebec, whether with a successful real estate investors or professionals that are passionate and want to share their experiences and stories so we can all learn. As I said, like from in my real estate education, listening to hundreds of hours of podcasts really, really helped me. And I thought there was, I found there's nothing in Quebec in English. Mm. And so that's a podcast that I started because there was, I was going to say there was demand for it. And the feedback has just been so good. I'm actually quite proud and happy with uh, with the way it's been going. And I have so much fun because it's exactly like you. I am forced every week to have conversation with people that I would have never spoken to. I love it. Right. That's awesome. I love that. Very cool. So we could keep talking forever. I mean, we'll have to probably do something else once your, your development stuff progresses and, and uh, curious to see how that's going to go. But the next part is going to be our lightning round. So I'm going to ask you five questions. Every guest gets the same five questions. You're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind in like 20 seconds or less. You ready to play? Do it. All right. Today's lightning round has been brought to you by midtermrentalproperties.ca. It is a new way to rent, make more cash flow, take back control over our investments and our portfolios using a different creative strategy and pivoting. So if you want to find out more, go to midtermrentalproperties.ca.
Number one, what is your favorite real estate investing book? Was the ABCs of real estate investing by Ken McElroy. All right. I love him. He's great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Number two, not necessarily real estate related, but do you have a favorite podcast? Other than, yeah, there is a by Mike Kim. It's called the, the Brand You Podcast. Mm -hmm. And it's about marketing and marketing strategy. And I find he always take, has a good a good take on on things and always reminds people to just be genuine, be real, be you. And that goes a long cool. way. Awesome. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from work in real estate? I try to go sailing and I go on the water as much as possible. Boating, sailing. Yeah. I'm a, I grew up on a Caribbean island. So water is always close to my heart. Nice. Nice. Where, which Caribbean island? Uh, St. Bart's next to St. Martin. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. And then you decide to come to Montreal in the cold. <laughs> yeah. And establish a life here. I know yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's all good, man. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, all of your money, all of your assets, all your real estate, how would you start again? How would I start again? I would I would just kind of just keep doing I'd, I'd do it again. I'd do it again. I would uh, I would maybe do a few. I would start taking other people's money earlier. That's what I would do differently. Okay. All right. Great. And last question. Somebody has only $50,000 and they want to get started doing something real estate related. What do you recommend they spend that money on? On as much education as possible and go buy yourself a new suit. Okay. Thanks for playing the lightning round. That was great. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more Axel? On Instagram, on LinkedIn, and at our website, realestateeffect.ca. And send me a message and I'll be happy to reply, chat, get on the phone, do whatever I can to help you. Amazing, Axel. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Sarah. Hey guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons and at the time they all seemed very valid, but as I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked. And also, most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven, repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven-figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes, and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step -step online program. It's called Rise, and it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.